0: Good morning. How are you doing? Will you stand with me?
1: Welcome to church today. Online, in person, in the future. We're going to spend some time singing about this great God. This song has been running through my mind a lot this week. As we watched four civilians launch into space, I can't imagine the view that they got. And I just kept thinking of the psalm that says, what is man that you are mindful of him? When I look at the handiwork that you've made, the skies, the, the worlds that you've formed, uh, it's amazing. God, I pray that you'll be with us today. As we take a more acoustic fill in our music, I pray that it will not deter from the energy that we have for you. I pray that our hearts will be filled with love and intentionality towards you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Sing with me.
0: I see your face in every sunrise, the colors of the morning are inside your eyes. The world awakens in the light of the day, I look up to the sky and say, you're beautiful, beautiful So all proclaiming who You are. You're beautiful, Lord. beautiful
2: Falling on my knees in worship, giving all
0: In my life.
3: Please have a seat as we bow our heads in prayer. Father, you have, our, you have our attention this morning. As, uh, you speak to us in many different ways, and uh, I thank you for the, the beautiful sounds that you arranged to, uh, to affect our hearts and our minds. Lord, as we have gathered together intentionally to be with you, to be with each other, I pray that we would especially hear you speaking this morning. Help us to not fear the calling that you have on our lives. The things that don't make sense to the world around us, to the traditions that we've grown up in. Lord, if it is new things that you want to do in us, let us not fear those paths that you are leading us down. I pray for... Those of us that aren't here this morning, that may be ill, that may be hurting, that might be lost, the ones that are on our hearts right now, affect us in a way that we love them in a special way once we leave this place. Jesus, really all we need is you, and we confess that to you now. Help us to rid ourselves of all the things that, even religious things that are a barrier between us and you. But we praise you, Father. We are here seeking you, waiting for you, Father. So we uh, we look forward to everything you're going to do in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this is a past the peace time. Uh, it's, it's still a little bit. We're just kind of waving at each other. But what I want you to do right now is look around see who's here make eye contact real eye contact with them but look also for the ones that you know that aren't here that are missing Uh, raise your hand if there's someone that is you've really been missing in your life hopefully everybody's got someone Uh, reach out to them this week just with a a call a text maybe invite them to coffee as a Waving to your neighbor that showed up on Sunday morning is good. And reaching out to your neighbor that's not there on Sunday morning might be even better. So uh, I, passing the peace is still weird to me as we don't get to hug and kiss like the old days. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's where I'm from. Maybe it's a little different for you all. Well, i got a few announcements. So on Wednesday nights, Pastor Garen has been meeting with a group at Wednesday at 7. Yes, sir. What's Oh. Sorry, we got we got a video. Oh, peace. Oh, all right, all right. Well, we do have a Bible study on Wednesday nights at seven. Emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, I w- I was a a bad church person this last Wednesday, as I was uh, observing the most magnificent rocket launch I've ever seen in my entire life. I was skipping church. I don't regret it one bit. But for those of you that were here, I hear it's been great, and uh, I think it, it, it's been a good time. Right, Ken? Have you had a, enjoyed it? All right. If Ken says it's good, then it's definitely good, right? Our next announcement is next month. There will we will be uh, doing something that uh, is being called Kingdom Snapshots. Now it might sound a little bit confusing, but what we want to do is highlight some things that are going on in your lives and lives around you that are evidence of christ working in the world in everyday life no it's not you getting up and preaching to a whole stadium but it's stuff like i'm gonna pick on ken i like picking on you ken is that all right i know you've got a cane although hit me with it i like picking on you you're a good guy and ken Yeah, I I join him, Pastor, and I join him once in a while to play some disc golf. But he is out there most every day. And I've noticed Christ in him being lived out with these guys, many of them not believers. But he's consistent in their lives. Uh, I know Drew runs a paint crew. As he is with those guys, Christ is living through him. Uh, Jim, out there scaring kids on Saturday mornings in an airplane. Christ through Him. These are kingdom snapshots. Jesus living through your life. Uh, we got a we got a biker gang over here, being Jesus intentionally on two wheels. This these are kingdom snapshots. So if you know of somebody doing that, if you yourself, eh, don't look at it as a prideful self worship thing. No, we we like to hear that stuff. I saw these guys out here yesterday morning, and I I had to go to work, and so I was like, Phew, I'm out of yard work here. I don't have to do it. But uh, as is, is part of living in the kingdom, it is not about doing official duties on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever. It is your everyday life. So there's an email address. Uh, I don't know if we have it or not. But you can send it to office at church. And that if you have a snapshot of something cool that someone is doing that is part of the kingdom of Jesus in our everyday lives, send it to that. and. Uh, we want to highlight some of that stuff next month. All right. November 14th. Anybody know the significance of November 14th? It is a Sunday. And we're having a huge bonfire. Is that is that how we're doing it? Man, I hope so. I was hoping he would, like, send it up on a drone and have it explode over the ocean. But we're having a mortgage burning. Uh, nothing like not paying money just stuff that's not, I mean, this is, this is a good kingdom thing. But I just, I love it when churches are able to get out of debt because the funds can then go to do some some different works of, of Jesus outside of Sundays, outside of this building. So be here. Uh, more info is coming. The only thing we really know right now is November 14th is the day, and we will have different info. of. Uh, I think it's going to be a big party. And I'm excited because this is my first winter in Florida and November 14th. I, I won't be wearing a coat, right? So it's going to be a great party. All right. Well, anything else you want? Let me sing a solo. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to move on to the next part of the service. Head. Thank you. Oh, I'm I, sorry about this. I didn't see a – oh, it is on there. Offering. Anybody have any money? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Offering is an important part as, well, that's what helps us get to mortgage burnings and stuff like that. Um, But let's uh, open your hearts to giving. Um, Offering to me is not just the the money that we we give, but our times, our talents. But this is an important part of it. And so as you have a chance to give, uh, I don't know if we have a graphic. There's all kinds of weird ways these kids and their newfangled ways of giving online and stuff like that. But um, if you have an offering, uh, there's boxes out there. There are ways online that we can give. And um, I look forward to seeing how God takes our stuff and blesses it. And so, all right. Let me, uh, I like to pray. Not always out loud. But uh, let me pray for our time of giving here. Father, talk to us as we as we think about what it gives, to, means to give to you, I pray that you, you bless these tithes, these offerings, and that you multiply them as the, uh, the bread and fishes were multiplied, as the talents that were invested, they were multiplied, and you, you multiply the money, but that you take our time invested and multiply that into something better. You take the things that we know how to do and serve others with, you take those, multiply them, grow them, because, Father, we want more than anything to have you reign over everything. We want to see your kingdom come to fruition. And so we, we pledge our allegiance to you, Father. And we look forward to t- seeing how you take all that we have given and tithe to you and seeing you you just multiply that in ways we never imagined. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen. All right. Anything else that I've forgotten? Sorry about that. Thank you.
1: We're we're two of the pastors here, and um, we have uh, Jen and Justin, who are also part of the posse, and they're not with us. They're uh, in other areas, but uh, if we don't know you, come meet us. Um, Jim's looking at me like that might be a mistake, but no, come meet us. We're nice. Come on. What's up with that? (laughs) I... uh, I would very much like to meet people, so uh, now I'm, I'm glad that you're here. We are, um, man. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a while, haven't we? You know, the Sermon on the Mount is such a great, great passage, and there are so many sayings and phrases that we we often forget. Are in the Sermon on the Mount, we don't think of, we don't always think of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole when we think of the Beatitudes. Or the Lord's Prayer or seek first God's kingdom or the wise man and the foolish man building their houses or um, Solomon and all of his glory isn't dressed as beautifully as the field. So why worry? There are so many things that we've we've heard these nuggets and we don't always string them all together into this beautiful sermon that Jesus has been talking about. And so we're taking time and going through the Sermon on the Mount. And we are coming to the end of chapter 5. So if you're here with us and you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you're online, go ahead. Uh, You can pull it up on your digital platform or your Bible next to your uh, coffee table and your coffee. And I want us to circle back around to last week's passage. Last week we were talking about uh, a passage and... We really could spend a lot of time here, but we're only going to spend two Sundays, but I want to take a second pass through it, so uh, let me read the words. You'll see them today on the screen, and let's see if my words match up with those words. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and in that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Makes me think of when we were talking about salt and light and we talked about, does the enemy know who you are? Anyway, sorry, side note. How are you different from anyone else if you're only kind to your friends? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Jesus, I pray that you'll take these words. I pray that you'll take what you've been teaching me, and I pray that I will communicate it in a way that makes sense. But even more than that, I pray that even now, your Spirit will be speaking to each of us in whatever way we need to hear. God, I pray that maybe something is said that could change someone's life forever, and God, it may not even be anything I say. It may be your spirit speaking into our hearts even now. And so I say today, and I say on behalf of my friends, speak, Lord. We're listening. We will listen, and we will obey as best we can. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. So last week we talked about loving your neighbor, and remember we talked about how Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor but, and hate your enemy. And actually, hate your enemy wasn't in the scripture that they were quoting. It was just kind of something that was tagged on because, well, it was one more way around the law. It was keeping the law literally, but not keeping the spirit of the law. And that's what people are good at doing, isn't it? Speed limit is 55, and I go 55 if there's a policeman around. But if there's not a policeman around, it's more a suggestion. (laughs) Mm, Have you ever been there? (laughs) I keep the letter of the law when it's important and when there could be consequences. But when it feels a little more willy-nilly, well, you know. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you've missed the spirit of the law by focusing only on these very, very specific narrow scopes that you can drain all of these things down to and that's not what i meant and so jesus says you love your neighbor and who's my neighbor it's not the person that just lives next door or thinks like me your neighbor is anyone in front of you and anyone in need and that changes how we live our lives and how we live on mission for jesus it supersedes our preferences, it supersedes our rights, it supersedes our nationality, it supersedes our views on sexuality, it supersedes everything. We are to love our neighbor. It's one of the two big ones, love God, love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor. Everything else works itself out as we're following the Spirit, but if we don't start by loving God and loving our neighbor, we're kind of missing the whole thing, right? Right? And then Jesus gets to this last part of the verse and says, You are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And we kind of need to address this theological elephant in the room because when I hear the word perfect, the first thing I do is I think, Ooh, well, I'm out. Because I ain't perfect. Can't be perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? Right? Because when we think of perfection, we think of, we think of without mistakes. We think of flawless. We think um, just perfect. But what if Jesus is saying something else? What if Jesus is saying maybe there's a different meaning of perfection that I want to talk to you about? I like the I, I heard this quote this week that says, "Nobody's perfect, and I'm a nobody, therefore, I must be perfect." And as, as much as I would like to think that that's not really how it is, is it? Nobody's perfect. So So, man, Ken, sorry, I didn't know Jason was going to talk about you. I've been playing disc golf with Jason and Ken. Um, and a few other guys. And I gotta tell you, man, that is a tough sport. It's, well, it's not complicated, but it's not easy. It's a very simple game, but it is not easy. And when you see Ken just like walk up and go, and it's just, Soars forever and then you see me with all my might trying to throw in that poor shrub 10 feet away from me gets a mouthful of disc you understand it's not complicated but it's not easy but there have been a couple of takeaways that I've gotten so far one of the first things is one of the first things Ken said to me we launched off uh, the first and we always throw two discs the first hole and I threw my two And he says, that's all right. Practice makes practice. (laughs) Practice makes practice. He's like, don't try to be perfect. Just practice makes practice. You know, you're just going to keep practicing. And I thought, wow, that's kind of liberating. My goal isn't perfection in this game. My goal is to be better in this game. And the more I practice, the better my practice Does that make sense? The second thing I noticed was that it is not five or six of us and we are cutthroat against each other. We're all playing against the whole and we support each other. It's very much like last week when we talked about, remember that we have this dichotomy when we talk about love your neighbors, hate your enemies, and it's it's, I've got to win and if I'm going to win, you've got to lose. And that's that false dichotomy and that there's a different way. What if everybody could win? What if you're not my enemy and you're not my opponent, but you're my neighbor and you're my friend and we're going to work together? And so I love how it doesn't matter how my shot is. Jason's playing his game and I support his game. It doesn't matter how Jason's playing. He and, and Ken have their own game and we're all in it together, helping each other out, having community, walking down the grass as we go find These discs. Practice makes practice, and we're in it together. But don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean I don't want to be more perfect. It doesn't mean that um, I don't want more pars. It doesn't mean that I don't want a lot less bogeys or double bogeys or, oh my goodness, what were you thinking, bogeys. Um, But helps me understand perfection may not always be what I think it is. For me, sometimes playing 15 over is my perfect game that day. It may not be compared to the other people, but for me, that's my perfect game. So, let's talk a little bit about Perfection. What does it mean to be perfect? When Jesus is talking about being perfect, he's using a Greek word called teleos. And it's not meaning that you never make a mistake. You are to be flawless. You are to be perfect. You are to be without any kind of error. No, what Jesus means, what Jesus says with this Greek word, actually means this. You are to be wanting nothing Necessary to completeness. You are to be exactly who you are designed to be. And when you are that, you are perfect. When you stray from God, when you let things of this world creep in, you have these flaws that keep you from being without wanting or everything you're supposed to be. But when you walk with God... There's this perfection that happens. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we don't have flaws. It means that we are perfectly walking with Jesus today. Now, in our tribe, in the Nazarene tribe, we would call that sanctification. And we would say that there are two kinds of sanctification. There's this sanctification that will happen in the end when we will ultimately be perfected. But we also believe that there's this growing in grace, this sanctification that happens day in and day out as I surrender to God and I am as perfect as I can be today. And then as the spirit reveals more than I need to change, I change it and I remain on this perfection course. Are you with me? So Jesus isn't saying you should never make a mistake because God never makes a mistake. No, Jesus is saying in the same way that our God in heaven lacks nothing and is completely whole in all that God is in the spiritual realm, you can be in the physical realm as perfect as you will allow God to make you, wanting nothing, exactly who you are created to be, living exactly in the way you should be, following the course you should take, and being on point for Jesus exactly in the perfect way that God has planned for you To be. But here's the hard part. It's hard to surrender. Am I the only one that feels that way? I hope I'm not. It's hard to say, God, I want to be all yours. I want to be perfected in you. Because I still have desires, and I still have needs, and I still have wants. And when I allow them to be planted in the soil of my heart, they grow like weeds. And before long, they will suffocate everything that is pure and beautiful and of God. And so, yeah, I want perfection, but I'm not going to lie. It is not easy. It's difficult. It's difficult because it's not a one-and-done thing. It's something that I have to work at daily. Yesterday's perfection is not good enough for today because there will be worries for today. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the Sermon on the Mount. There will be worries that will happen in today that I didn't have yesterday. And what will I do in this moment? Will I choose to try to rely on my own strength and my own efforts and take my own path? Or will I continue to walk in this path of Jesus... And say, I trust you, I am completely made whole in you, wanting nothing exactly as I'm created to be, and I want to walk in your perfection. I can't be perfect on my own. This passage, this verse has bothered me for a long time because it feels very much like, well, you're setting the bar way too high, Jesus. I can't be that. And the good news and the bad news is the same thing. I'm exactly right. I can't. But Jesus can. And it's the perfection of Jesus. Living in me that allows me to say yes to God. It allows me to be bent toward righteousness instead of bent toward sinning. It's this Jesus in me, this perfect Messiah that gives me the strength. It's not me, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. You with me? But it's hard. It's difficult. It's difficult because... We don't live stagnant lives, do we? Yesterday's in the books. Tomorrow hasn't yet been written. Today is the day that we have the pen on the page that we have. It's hard because I have to say today, sometimes this hour, sometimes this moment, sometimes this nanosecond, God, I'm yours. I want to be completely whole in you. And if I try to take my hands and grab, will you help me let go? I want to be more like Jesus. And the day I stop moving forward with Jesus, the day, the day I stop becoming more and more like this image of God, this imago Dei, this, this Jesus in me, this, this mirror that reflects the love of God is the day that my perfection in the Word that Jesus is talking about stops. That's the day that I stop moving with Jesus. I don't want that. I want to walk with God. I want to walk perfectly in the path that He has before me today. And I'm not going to worry about yesterday's troubles and I'm not going to worry about what's around the corner. I'm going to take this step this day. Your word is a light into my path. It doesn't light everything but it lights the next step for me and if I can walk in that and walk with Jesus, I can remain in this mindset that God was talking about when he says be perfect like your father is perfect. Be so close to me that my will is what's happening in your life because you and I are like this. So I was trying to think of an example that would help us think through like what you know how this growing happens. And and I thought about um if you've ever had a kid and you've taken them to their wellness visit, let's say they're one year old, okay, they're one. Hey, happy birthday. You go and see the doctor, and the doctor looks at your baby and he checks the baby out and he counts the fingers and she counts the toes and you know, looks in the ears and this and that, and then the doctor says He's perfect. Now, I don't know a single parent in the history of ever that has ever turned around, punched the doctor in the neck and said, my kid is not perfect. My kid is not potty trained. My kid can't count. You ask my kid about the economic crisis of the world. My kid doesn't know anything. My kid's... No. Of course... You wouldn't do that because the doctor isn't saying your kid is flawless and perfect in that way. What your doctor is saying is that your kid for a one year old is exactly where a one year old should be. Your kid is perfect for a one year old. Your kid is exactly, your kid is wanting nothing. Your kid is exactly as a one year old should be. Your kid is on target. Now, what happens if three years from now, at their four year checkup, your kid hasn't grown at all? Is your kid still perfect? I'm not asking is your kid still loved because we still love our kids. But would you not agree that the doctor may have concerns and say, hey, your kid was on the path at one and somehow between one and four, they haven't grown. They haven't changed. They haven't matured. They haven't gone deeper in their mental capacity. They haven't... Well, he would never tell you this, but your kid isn't on that perfect trajectory anymore, are they? Doesn't mean they're not loved. It just means they're not where they should be. In our class on Wednesdays, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, there's a quote that hit me. This is the quote. This is a pastor and a lay person came to him and said this to him. I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I just kept doing the same things over and over and over again. That scared me because I saw myself In that quote. It scared me because I had to ask myself, how many years have I been a Christian? Have I grown as a Christian that many years? Or am I very... I think it's Paul that says, you're not on the meat, you're still on the milk. You're still babies. You should be growing in your faith more than you are. And I wonder if I'm that way. And one of my biggest fears is that some of you may be there with me. And you're very happy where you are spiritually, living the same year over and over and over again like Groundhog Day. Well, if it ain't broke, why fix it? But the truth is, that's what shows that you're broke. Because a 22-year-old should not be acting like a one-year-old. We can all agree on that. A 22-year-old Christian should not be acting like a one-year-old Christian. Have you grown? If you are growing at the right proportion, which is the in-step-with-Jesus proportion, then you are remaining in this be-perfect-as-your-father's-perfect zone. If you say, wow, I don't know that I've grown that much over the past five years. I mean, I I like the music better or worse. I like your preaching better or worse. But it really hasn't, that doesn't mean anything for me personally. Have we grown? Are we continuing this path towards righteousness, towards perfection. Am I closer today than I was yesterday? And if I'm not closer to Jesus today than I was yesterday, someone is straight off the path. And my guess is it's not Jesus. So in the old Testament, you know, we've got the, the Hebrew people and we've got Moses, who's one of the leaders. And and Moses is so close to God that Scripture talks about how his face glowed with the glory of God. This, this cat was in step with God. I mean, when you saw Moses, you saw God because you saw this glowingness of the presence of God. He was so close to God. He was so in step. He was living and walking perfectly with God, and so he was in step. He was so in step with God that it scared the people. It freaked them out. And so what he had to do was he had to put a veil over his head so he wouldn't freak the people out because they weren't that close to God. And it bothered them to see someone that was that close to God. So he would have to put on a veil to talk to them because, well, they just weren't quite in step the way Moses was. And so there's this passage where uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, and he's trying to talk to them about how we're supposed to be growing. And he uses this example of Moses, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And he says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever somebody says, I want to be close to God, it's like they say, I don't want the veil. I want the glory of God. I want all of it. I don't care who sees it. I... The veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. It's like, I don't want to stifle. It reminds me very much of light and salt. I don't want to take what God has given me and keep it behind a veil because that's not doing anybody any good. The veil's lifted because I'm now following Jesus and I'm in step with Jesus and I want to be teleos. I want to be perfect. wanting nothing, completely made whole, exactly where I'm supposed to be. Not ultimately perfected, but still perfected today because I'm living and walking with Jesus and I want that. And when that happens, the veil is lifted and the glory of God is reflected in my life and I become light. Which is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew five seventeen through 20, I think is the reference. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes more, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Some of your verses will say change from glory into glory. It's like that hymn, love divine, all love's excelling, change from glory into glory. Tell him we take, a, you know, some of you do. What would it be like if we could live our lives with our veil off? Who would the glory of God be shining on because you were the person that was glowing with the glory of God? Who in your workplace? Who in your home? Who in your neighborhood? Who at the grocery store? Who, every January when you pay your HOAs, who in your life could have more of the glory of God reflected in their lives because of the way that you are living in your lives, which is veil off, hand surrendered, I'm yours, God. I want to be made perfect now in your presence, which means I want to walk with you and be wanting for nothing. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. what would it be like if we could live that way? When Jesus calls us to this perfection, I love how one writer put it. I don't have the words, so just listen. He says, we can love as God loves, which will then lead to, to the behaviors and transformed attitudes that Jesus describes. When I love as God loves, my behavior and my attitude is transformed in the way that Jesus is describing. In the present, we can live lives... That are animated by a totally God-centered and neighbor-centered mindset. To love our neighbor regardless of the color of their skin, the socioeconomic class, or the sexual orientation is to participate with God in his holy mission to redeem the lost. That's the plan. As one pastor says it, we are the agents of reconciliation. There is no plan B. question is, am I growing? And am I taking the veil off? Or am I very happy living the same life over and over again, the same year? I don't want to grow in my faith. I'm happy the way Jesus and I are now. He stays in His corner, I stay in mine, but I feel like I'm not going to go to hell, so that's good. Wouldn't it be nice if you could live in the reality that there's so much more. So much more of God's grace. So much more of God's love. So much more of God's mission that He has appointed you to do, whether you believe it or not. It's time to grow up. It's time to lift off the veil. So let me ask you, Close your eyes, if you would, for me. Let's just land the plane. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you a Christ follower? If you're not, I hope that you know how welcome you are here. I hope that you know that you don't have to change a single thing about you to be welcome here. But our prayer is that you will encounter this Jesus that can change you that can make you whole, that can make you, dare I say, perfect. And I say it because Jesus wouldn't tell us to be it if he weren't going to give us the power to be it. But the first question is, are you a Christ follower? If you're not, it's my prayer that today would be the day of salvation for you. Whether it's in the sanctuary or wherever you are in the online platform. Today could be the day of salvation. And we're going to pray in just a moment and give you a chance to ask Jesus into your heart. Let me ask a second question. If you are a Christ follower, if you answered, yes, I'm a Christ follower, let me ask you this question. How many years have you been following Christ? And then let me ask you a follow-up question. Is your spiritual age the same as the chronological number that you've been claiming to be a Christian? Are those number numbers similar, or at least close? If you say, you know, I've just always assumed I've been a Christian for, I don't know, 35 years, but I don't act or feel or think like a 35-year-old Christian would act or think. It's time to pray. If you say, wow, I've only been a Christian for two years and I feel like I'm a two-year-old Christian. I feel like I'm really growing. It's still time to pray because today is today and every day is a continual sacrifice, not my will but your will, not my will but your will God I want to follow you because it's easy to stop the growth at any point that you feel like it so I'm going to give us time to pray if, if you feel like you are not where you need to be I'm going to invite you. There are altars at the front. There's nothing magical about them, but we find that getting up and making a forward motion, coming down, really helps solidify the moment. But if you can't or don't feel comfortable, you can pray in your seat. You can turn around and kneel in your seat. You can raise your hands. You can. I just encourage you to get in a posture of prayer where you can talk with God and be honest So we're just going to give you a couple seconds. Jesus, I pray first for people that may be hearing this that are not in a relationship with you. They've heard your name and they've heard you thanked on award shows, but they don't know you yet. And maybe something has been going on in their mind between you and them, between their spirit and your spirit, and they say, wow, I really want that. I'm tired of the struggle, and wouldn't it be nice to know that I'm not going to... that? I know I'll still make mistakes, and I won't be perfect in the way that the world says perfect, but wouldn't it be nice to know that I'm exactly where I should be with you and what I should be with you, and I'm not lacking anything. And there may be people there. So Jesus, I pray that if that's one of those, if, if there are people here in my voice that that's where they are, that they'll pray this prayer with me. Jesus, You know where I am in life. I want to know where You are. I pray that You will forgive me of my sins, And I pray that you will help me to walk in your light. And I don't even know what that looks like. If I'm just starting my relationship with you, I'm going to need you to show me the light. And I'm going to need you to make it clear. But I want to walk in the light. I I pray that you'll forgive my sins and help me to live for you. And I pray this in your name, Jesus, because you're the one doing the saving. Amen. It's my prayer that if that's you, You'll let us know. You'll let one of the pastors know because we want to help you. But I still want to pray for those of you that said yes. Jesus, there are some of us that have, wow, we've played a good game. There are some of us that are so used to the same year spiritually that we have... Well, we've pretty much perfected that year. The problem is we've claimed to be a Christian for five years or 10 years or 15 years. Pray that you'll forgive us for not walking in your light and in your grace. I pray that you'll forgive us for being very content with the bare minimum. When you want us to be perfect, you want us to be lacking nothing. And that only happens when we walk step-by-step with You, when we walk in the light. I pray that You'll forgive us for our lack of momentum. And I pray that today You will help us. Whether You tell us, today's your new birthday and let's start from here, or whether You say, I'm so glad that You want to make the step. We've got some catching up to do. God, we leave that to you, and we'll, we'll respond however you lead. But Jesus, will you grow us spiritually to the place that we should be? We pray this in your name. We pray this because we know we need it. And we know we need it because you told us to be this way. So we're going to trust you. And we love you. Amen.
3: Well, let's celebrate the, uh, the giving love of Jesus together right now. As we do that, I've, uh, I've been reminded, uh, the sermon really reminded me of some things. Uh, this last week I became an accidental baseball coach. As, uh, my, my nine-year-old had, they had a tryouts and a draft and all that. And, uh, six-year-old, he was at his t-ball practice, and so I was there, and Mandy was at the other one, and Mandy sent me a text. She said, hey, they need another coach. I'm like, I'm new here. I don't even know where these fields are hardly, and um, unfortunately, I spent a good part of my adult life coaching baseball, and so I have a little bit of experience. I was like, so the guilt got to me, and I was like, oh, I've got to do it. And so as we came together uh, with a bunch of kids to practice, I had never coached kids before, and uh, you know, most of my coaching stuff was overseas at different levels, and I thought, well, this will be interesting, and there are varying, very much varying levels of proficiency in baseball in 9- and 10-year-olds. Some of them are much better than I expected. Some of them are much worse than I imagined they could be, and uh as you, as you coach these kids, there, there are a couple different ways to coach. And I, at that point, I was reminded of a cartoon that, that we'd both seen this week. And the first part of the cartoon is Jesus holding up a, a picket sign. And it says, shame free. And the guy next to him is a guy with a Bible tucked under his arm. And it says, free Shame. And that has been much of our experience, not just in, in church life, but in much life. As I'm coaching these kids, I'm like, well, I could go on two routes. I could shame a kid into trying to get better. Or I could try to just love a kid into loving being there, and they'll get better as they practice. Because, you know, practice makes practice, right? <laughs> um, and it very much reminded me of what it's like to be a Christian. As when we take the the elements and we think about Jesus and His sacrifice, His body broken for us, not because He was guilted into it, because He loved us. And then His blood shed to set us completely free that we can be shame-free. It's such a weird thing to think this guy... Said, I will do it because I love you so much. You don't have to be shamed anymore. And often when we take the elements, so let's go ahead and, uh, if, you're, if you're nimble enough, can get that top one open. As Jesus was broken for us, he said, I will do it for you because I love you. Let's eat together and just remember how his love. And then he was he was sacrificed, so that not not that we could feel shame. oh, what a bad person I am. Oh, what dumb things I've done in my life, what I could never be forgiven for that. there's always that thing lurking in the back of your mind of, well. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe someday I'll be over this. But that you can be completely shame-free. What stipulations does Jesus put on you when He says, I died for you to set you free? He didn't say, change your behavior so I can set you free. He said, I set you free. And everything else, if it needs to happen, it will happen after as we follow Him. But take this juice. Drink it together this morning. Shame-free. Not thinking about all the things you got to change about yourself. Drink it and say, Jesus, thank You for loving me exactly as the bad ball player that I am. Knowing that the other stuff will come. But let's just practice together. Let's love together. Let's drink. Jesus, I thank You for Your love. A love that I personally cannot comprehend uh, to the degree, the degree that I wish I could. Let us live in you free of shame. Knowing that you love us no matter how poorly or how, how well we play the game. You love us and you want to practice with us. And we will grow and we will learn to love this more and more as we are shame-free living in You. So we look forward to You living with us, coaching us as we step out of here into the world, into our daily lives. That we might be a light, we might be salt to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our own families. We praise You, Father. There is none like you. Amen.
1: Amen. Will you stand with me? As we head out today, here at our church, we sing our benediction. And so if you're at home, stand up in the living room and um, sing out at the top of your lungs. Maybe the neighbors will hear you, which could be good or bad, depending on how you sing. But let's sing our benediction together. We sing hallelujah,
0: let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be
1: done in us. Have a great week. Go. Be salt, be light. And we'll see you next Sunday.